Welcome to the Treeleaf Zendo podcast. Treeleaf is a Soto Zen Sangha available anytime, anywhere at treeleaf.org. Come sit with us. Hi, this is Jindo. Welcome to Leaf. We have a crazy little priest training program here at Leaf. I mean crazy in the sense that if it works, we're geniuses. And if it doesn't, well, we're just crazy. I don't think there's been anything quite like it in 2,500 years of Buddhism. And I don't exaggerate. I don't think there are many priest training programs like it today. And it could burst like a balloon. It's a fragile thing. What's so special about our priest training program? Well, you may notice that there are no monasteries involved. And we all are separated sometimes by half a world. I somehow believe that there are good people out there, good people who have a deep and abiding understanding of our Zen way and bring it out into the world, into their work and their families. People who would never have a chance to go to a monastery and in traditional Buddhism would never have a chance to to be a Zen clergy of some sort to keep these teachings alive. But I have faith in them. So I think we can do something. We have an at a distance training program. We try to get together when we can try to go to retreats and buildings and to actual monasteries when we can. But most of our work is in our day-to-day lives, bringing these teachings out to where it gets real with our kids, with our spouses, with our marriages, with our marriage difficulties, with our sick kids, with our jobs, with our job problems. This is where The rubber meets the road on this practice. And I believe that people who are facing this can be beautiful, beautiful Zen clergy. But we have training at a distance to do this. And a lot of people in the Zen world don't like it. They don't like what we're doing here, or at least they don't understand. To them, we're, well, it must be a diploma mill. It's on the internet after all. And somehow people can't really understand each other at a distance. Well, I think the folks who have been around our community for a while know that that's not true. But yet those folks are right. We have to be very careful and to really get to know someone and to really make sure that the training is real, we have to be cautious. I insist on certain things for our training program. The people who carry this way forth must know something about our history and our ways. They must understand Zen practice. They must be ethical. Oh, maybe that's number one. They must have some sense of a calling that they're not getting ordained for a week or a month or a year or even 10 years. This is a lifetime 
pursuit. I say, when you put on the kesa, well, you better intend to be buried in the kesa. What is a priest? You know, in the West, it's become someone who is training to be a teacher. But that's not the way it always was in Asia. In Asia, very few people actually became teachers. Most of the priests who are training go to be, in Japan, parish priests who tend to the funerals and memorial services and other needs of their local parishioners. In China, many of the people who get ordained, well, they're the cooks, they're the gardeners, they're the workers in the monastery. Only a handful ever receive what is called Dharma transmission authorization to teach. But here in the West, lots and lots and lots of folks get authorization to teach, and that's maybe the number one reason that people become ordained. And I think in our Sangha too, that's maybe the main reason. We are looking for people who will carry our ways into the next generation, people who will keep the flame alive. You know, the reason that Zen practice has continued for a thousand years and more is because of a small group of people who from one generation to the next keep the flame alive, keep it passed on to those who come next. That's what I'm looking for. We have lots of folks in our Sangha, and we have lots of folks who are training as priests, but I don't expect all of them to make it. Only a handful. Actually, perhaps as a teacher myself, it's like having one child to pass on your DNA to the next generation. Maybe there's only one who will pass it on to the next generation. Maybe a handful. Not everyone who ordains has what it takes to go on. And maybe some time they lose the calling. Well, let me talk about that for a while. I get contacted all the time by people who want to become priests. And if I don't know them very well, I say, well, I have to know you better, especially with a fragile, crazy program like we have. I won't even start talking with it uh, about it with you for at least a couple of years, maybe more. Five years is my general ballpark figure. I really have to know you. I really have to see how we interact and that the chemistry is right. And you have to see if the chemistry is right. Then I tell them, you know, getting ordained is just the first step. Then we're looking at years of training, years of learning our ways. It's a commitment. It's not something that's, you get ordained and you're done. You get ordained and you begun. And the road we have here is a special one. Now, as I said, priests in Japan uh, about a hundred and so years ago started marrying and having kids. And in the West, boy, we've really taken that a step further, if I may say, and brought these practices out into the world. And it's a marvelous thing. Our monastery is our home and our workplace, as I said. But I really have to see you learn our ways, put them into practice. I really have to know that if you do have a sick kid, well, that's part of your practice. If you do go through a divorce and you do go through a, a dark spiritual crisis of some sort, that's fine. We all do. But in the end, if this is a true calling, you must come back and make that 
divorce, make the grief you're suffering at the loss of a loved one, make the sick child, make the job pressures, make it the basis of your practice. If we're going to do this, what we're trying to do here at Tree Leaf, one cannot interfere with the other. It has to be, it has to be the soil from which your practice grows. Your teaching, your work as a priest must come from the difficulties in your life. Now, not everybody who starts as a priest here, I have to say, will finish. Maybe half, maybe less. Why? Well, I'd like to say that sometimes it's because, well, they just changed their mind. They thought they had a calling. They thought it was for Zen practice. Well, we've had a few people who decided that their calling actually was for some other religion, some other flavor of Buddhism, some other kind of religion altogether. Good. Your heart is telling you that you must keep seeking the road that's right for you. Sometimes we've had people who just get sick of me. I'm not the easiest guy to get along with. Sometimes people realize that it's just too much, that even though we're looking to balance being a priest without in the world practice, it does take time, it does take effort, it does take energy, and they just don't have it. Now, I give people breaks. People sometimes, when they start the training program, they think that they have to do this overnight. We take years, slow and steady. We're not trying to memorize every sutra and every rule and every uh, word of Dogen. Quite the contrary. We're minimalists in our sangha. But there are certain things I insist we learn about our history, about our ways. I like to say sometimes enough ceremony to be able to do a wedding and a funeral when you need. That's about it. But when you do that wedding or funeral, it should be with all your heart and with all the art of a priest. I expect our priests to know that. And sometimes they don't. And sometimes I'm the one who has to say, I'm sorry. I don't think it's working out. I've said it in the past, and I'm surely going to say it in the future. I'm sorry. I love you. I like you as a friend. I want to keep you. I want you around the Sangha, but the priest thing is not for you. And it's one of the hardest things I have to do sometimes. In such case, I don't want to lose such people. So I've taken to finding the right role for those people in, apart from being a priest. As I said, in Asia, that's the way it actually was. Not everybody became a teacher. Some people were the cooks. Some people were the gardeners. Some people can be teaching in certain ways, but not in the full-blown way. What is a priest, by the way? You know, I don't know if I've even defined that yet. In our world where we have marriage and kids, what is a priest? A priest is someone who has the knowledge and skill to lead a flock. You might be a mom and dad Monday to Friday, but on Sunday when it's time to step into the pulpit, you're the, the preacher and the minister and the guide and the advisor, and you better know enough about our ways and our skills to be able to do that. For me, that's all that separates in this modern time, priest from the people who are, well, just the flock. 
and it takes work and it takes energy and it takes knowledge. If you don't have it, we find another role for you. Maybe you can lead sitting groups. Maybe you can have certain teaching functions. Maybe you can teach certain skills. We find a place, but not as a priest. It's hard to say to people sometimes who desperately want to be priests that they have to wait. I have to be sure. They have to be sure. And it's hard to sometimes say to folks who are priests, I'm not sure. Anyway, let's hope for success and the blossoming of this crazy training program we have here at Tree Leaf Sangha. Thank you for joining us for the Tree Leaf Zendo podcast. Tree Leaf is an online practice place for people who cannot easily attend a Zen center due to health, location, work, childcare, or family needs. We provide netcast Zazen, retreats, discussion, Jukai, the support of fellow practitioners, interaction with a teacher, and all other activities of a Zen Buddhist Sangha, all fully online, accessible anytime, anywhere, without charge. Come build the future of online Zen community and practice.